Welcome to the Enlighten Up podcast. I'm Lisa Watson and will be joined by my co-hosts Nicole Frolic and Brian Koenigberg. The Enlighten Up podcast is a weekly show that provides an unconventional and refreshing spin on spirituality, where three friends and weekly guests share informative, fun, and usually off-the-wall conversations. Unlike others, we provide fringe and skeptical viewpoints on all topics, because our experience has taught us that the echo chamber is a boring place from which to learn. So regardless of where you are in your spiritual journey, we can promise you, you're going to find a place to fit in here. So we invite you to grab a drink and listen in on our casual, entertaining, and hopefully enlightening conversation. And Enlighten Up is a self-funded podcast. So if you would like to help us to continue to be able to produce, enhance, and expand the show for our audience, then please send your support using the link in the show notes or go to our website, lightenup.us, and check out our merchandise shop where you can purchase merchandise that will allow you to express some spiritual humor. You may also show your support by leaving us a review on iTunes and following us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Thank you all so much for listening and supporting us. And now let's jump right into the episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Enlighten Up podcast. You are joined with Brian, Lisa, and myself. We are inviting a new guest to the show. His name is Gary Sugar. He is a practitioner of purpose and an advocate for advancement. One of his life missions is to help individuals get off the couch and change their lives while creating legacies that will inspire the world. Gary loves to live and lives to love. Gary Sugar, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. How about yourself? I'm doing pretty good. Lisa, Brian, how are you guys doing? We're doing great. Great. Sugar man. Great to have you on. Appreciate you, brother. Yeah, you and you and Lisa are uh, longtime friends. Yeah, we, not, not too, too long, but it's been about four years now, I guess. And um, I met Gary at a networking event for Legal Shield. And ended up working with him in this multi-level marketing legal shield for a bit and realized, wow, this guy is inspiring. <laughs> he knows how to bring out the best in everyone and such a connector and has taught me a lot. Well, Gary, I've heard some really good things about you while I've known Lisa. I've yet to been graced by your fabulous presence yet. Um, hopefully, we'll be able to change that soon in the near future. Um, we were Before we started the show, we were talking about how you believe that people leave their greatest gifts in the cemetery. That's a very interesting statement. Do you want to, uh, do you want to take us through that? Well, I'll take you through the story that brought Bob discovered that or had that revelation. Uh, it was through Eagle Shield. I was at an event and a gentleman by the name of Dr. Miles Monroe uh, was speaking. And it felt like out of the hundreds of people, it could have been thousands of people there, I wasn't counting, but it felt like he was talking directly to me. He was speaking straight to my soul. He was talking about living life on purpose. And he asked a question that it changed the path of my life. And that question was, where is the wealth place on earth? And many of us were naming out physical locations like Dubai or the United States, or the diamond mines in Africa, the uh, oil in Saudi. And you hear all these answers coming through, which he said, look, all sound great. But he discovered that the wealthiest place on earth were the cemeteries. And then that's when he went into the reasons why. And it felt like at that moment, every single person disappeared in the room 
and it was just Dr. Miles Monroe and myself. And he started talking about songs that were never composed, things that were never invented, companies never started, the laundry list of seeds of gifting that we come to this earth and the earth and the, and the community here is waiting for us to deposit those seeds into earth so that it can benefit mankind. But yet we don't. And we take those gifts, those seeds of gifting back to the graves with us. And so he had challenged us to rob the grave. And once again, I thought it was just he and I in that room. And it was at that moment I got on a, a crusade to just my purpose was, and it came full circle back to what he was talking about. It's a thing that keeps me up at night. It has me uh, engaged with people throughout the course of the day. And it would be rare that you would bump into someone that we're not walking down this path here that we're talking about right now. So that even if um, they leave my presence and I'm no, I no longer see them again, they have food to think about something to chew on that would take them on that journey so they could start that self-discovery so that we could start the grave. So that's how that concept came to life. And I've been walking with it ever since. And that started in uh, 2008. Oh, that's fantastic. And so when you talk about like getting off the couch, it's about this idea that, you know, the people have all these ideas in their minds and, and dreams, but they don't actually take the action to bring them into fruition into this reality so that they take shape and form. Is that right? Absolutely. So how do, how do you help people get off the couch? Well, the first thing we, we start to help people turn their focus from external to inward. And when we start to look inward, instead of looking outward, we start to ask different questions. You know, one of the questions that I challenge everyone to ask is, why am I here? And in that question alone, when we pause and become still and listen for an answer, not an answer coming from our, our logical thinking, you know, our, our conscious mind, the one that's been domesticated, been influenced by all the externals, family, friends, the socioeconomic conditions we may grow up in, you name it. But when we turn inward and we start listening to our subconscious, our heart, our, our true spiritual side, the real answers start to reveal themselves. And so that's where we start with first. Why am I here? You know, and then the other question we will get people to start asking and start waiting to receive the answer is what am I designed for? And then we take them on a, a few more a series of questions just to start to open up or better yet, scratch the surface of inward versus um, outward. You know, people, the greatest teachers are those who've actually experienced what they're teaching. So do you, have you gone through your own experience of getting off the couch that you draw upon to help people? I have. Uh, and that's how I came to this, uh, this, I guess, revelation. Because when he mentioned that, it made me start to ask those questions. You know, why am I here? And I still ask those questions to this day. Uh, and what starts to take place is you start to find yourself in a, a situation where time feels like it stops when you engage with other people. You're not thinking about, or are you being paid for this? So the, the whole economic side is removed. You just feel like you're in perfect flow. And I, I find that 
all the time when I'm engaged with people and I'm walking them down this path. But I had to take myself down the path at first. I mean, it, it didn't come easy. You know, here I am uh, transitioning accounting from corporate America. Uh, I started investing time in the business Lisa mentioned earlier, uh, Legal Shield, to build this foundation. And it was it was wasn't always purpose driven. There was a lot of economic economic factors that was driving that move. I wanted to provide my family a better life than I ever had before. I wanted to buy back my time. And so there was some other, other factors there. But when I started focusing on my calling, my gifting, my purpose, it revealed itself to me. And like I said before, I find myself in, in so many occasions going down this path of discovery with people in casual conversations. But it had to happen for me first to break free of those uh, those um, those chains of domestications, because <clears throat> many people, uh, if the profits are not always there when you're pursuing your purpose, so financially life can be turned upside down. And what happens is when those fears start to surface, uh, many people start to panic, and they will abort. They will deviate from their their, their per, uh, path of purpose, and they go back to things that were are most comfortable, right? Apathy was set in. And for me, apathy hasn't set in. Don't, don't mean that the journey hasn't been challenging, but I haven't went back to what, has, was, what was comfortable at one point. I've been sacrificing a whole life, and a whole lot, not a whole life, but I've been sacrificing a whole lot, and the journey has been fulfilling. Well, that's very common when people are um, start to have the courage to go after some of their dreams and explore uh, certain areas of their life that are bringing more fulfillment and maybe even trying to turn it into a business that they get stuck or they get or they stop themselves or they self sabotage um, and they go back into a place of comfort. Uh, this happens a lot. So what are your suggestions to people when that's happening? Because a lot of it's due to fear. A lot of it's due to not being in a comfort zone that, you know, many people can handle for long periods of time or work through. And so they revert back to what they know and and feels good because, hey, we all (laughs) like to feel good at what we know. So how do you help people recognize that and basically abort going back to the comfort zone through one of our uh, one of our our programs that we teach is called aim there's 13 principles that come with aim aim is the acronym uh the a and aim at least the one i was showing on the podcast here it starts with our attitude uh the i is uh, following our intuition and then the M is mindset. All right. And so if we stay, if we aim, we continue to stay aim. And what we're aiming at is that vision. So purpose being the vision of whatever that was uh, revealed to us. And what happens is most people take their, their eye off what they're aiming at. So they take their eye off of that vision and they will allow distractions around them to surface. So that could be family, that could be economic pressures, that could be friends that who have not lived out their calling and they may start questioning your journey in, with good intentions. Because, you know, 
not all of us here to hurt people. I think all of us here are designed to serve people. And so sometimes people serve us with good intentions, but it could be detriment to the path that we're on because they haven't decided to release the shackles and start to pursue their purpose. And so if we, if we stay aiming, our attitude is lockstep with that vision, that we appreciate the moment, we accept what is happening, and our attitude is in one of, this is designed for, for, for it to happen for me. You know, it's like in seed, the potential of that seed is already inside it. And so when we reveal a vision, a purpose, and it came from within, it is, it's inevitable for it to take place for us. And so our attitude must stay locked on it. I heard Michael Beckwith say one day that if what we're currently experiencing doesn't look like the vision, then right now it's temporary. So we should not have a permanent reaction to a temporary circumstance. But many people will allow those temporary circumstances to take them off the path. But we stay focused with our attitude, help us stay tuned into the frequency of what that vision that was gifted to us is sharing, is showing us. The next one is to follow our intuition. Oftentimes, uh, many people will follow logical solutions or logical tactics to accomplish something. When, when we're coming from the heart, when we're coming from the spirit, a lot of steps that we take are not logical. You can't find them in a book. You can't find them written down somewhere because my path is different from your path. And if I'm looking or listening or reading something that someone else is dictating that I should take these particular steps and they've never been in my shoes, they haven't been on my path, that could be a distraction. And I'm a reader, I'm a listener, and I study and learn from all people. But I'm also uh, tuned into the fact that my journey is different from anyone else's journey on this earth. So I will follow my intuition and allow that to be my guide more than anything else. And obviously, obviously uh, intuition, that's where our spirit is at. And that's where uh, that divine guidance will always uh, lead us correctly versus the logical side where it doesn't look like the steps that anyone else have taken before and we can start to veer off the path. And the last one is a uh, mindset. And, and um, the aim principle I just shared with you, mindset is being open mentally to all options, being ready to take the stride, to take the step, and also being ready to pause when necessary and being comfortable in silence, in stillness. Also having the mindset to continue on that journey inward. Many externals will pull us away and have us to focus on other things. Uh, but when we tuned in and we got the right mindset, we know we're going to continue to mine for purpose. And purpose capital is in all of us. And we will continue to mine and continue to mine until we hit the vein. And we know when we hit that vein because now we're moving in flow. And we can move in spite of external circumstances. So that's what we focus on, um, M, AIM. Uh, we take those same letters and we reverse them. If we're not taking aim, then things are missing in action. All right. And then you take those same three letters. And this is where we really help people anchor in their vision so that they're tuned into their subconscious frequency more than anything else. Those same three letters spell out the word uh, or the phrase, I am. And that's where we help people anchor to really help them create the story and continue to repeat the story throughout the day, to also have conversations with others 
in this framework here of the I am so that they're programming themselves or uh, unlearn what they've learned and, and, and re-domesticating themselves. But this domestication comes from uh, inward, not external. Now, no matter what shows up in our life, we stay the course. So those are like three steps or three phases we take people through. Uh, that, that aim is 13 principles. I only gave you guys one out of them, but that same flow, aim, M-I-A, and I am. Uh, that's how we help people uh, stay the course. I have found that we tend to, you know, when we make a big shift and we try to remove those shackles of <laughs> domestication and those self-limiting beliefs and all the things that society has taught us that we're supposed to do. And we want to take this new course to fill our own passion and, and purpose and things come up. Like you said, you know, whether it be family or friends or a financial situation or just, you know, it's a different way of life. We start feeling uncomfortable. We're stretched outside our comfort zone. Oftentimes, you know, when that, that fear comes up, we tend to want to take action in that fear or solve the problem, you know, inside the problem. And what we end up getting is just more, we create more situations for ourselves that bring on more fear. You know, instead of doing, you know, that step that you spoke about where it's like some, you have to sort of settle in, let it wash over you, allow some time and space, um, and, and really trust yourself and detach yourself from those outside circumstances that are feeding you those old programs and, you know, regurgitating to you and your egos, they're regurgitating to you all your past failures and all the reasons why this isn't a good idea and that you're not going to be safe and really just keeping your eye on the prize. I think that that's the trickiest part of all is really allowing yourself to detach from those old programs and giving yourself space and the freedom to continue to move forward. You know, to bolt on to what you just shared, a technique that I think is uh, natural to all of us, but maybe not a common practice, is to go out and be with nature. Go by a creek or stream or sit back and stare at the sun or you know, gaze in, in the direction of the sun or stare at uh, uh, look at the stars, just be one with mankind. And at that moment, everything starts to slow down. Because now we pull ourselves back into the present moment and we're connected back to our true energy source. And then we're able to turn around and start to move again down the path. The crazy part is we we still ourselves, we are allowed to accelerate down the path faster than our you know, conscious mind uh, that forces us to effort uh, so often. There's it's so much power in that stillness <clears throat> that many people um, neglect. The power of now. That's the only moment that exists. Yeah. Like we completely, I mean, that's where the power is in living in that present moment. You're absolutely right. Staying focused. You know, when I was taking my yoga teacher's training class uh, in 2008, there was, uh, I was, be, we're all paired up with someone in our living quarters. And I had this um, young girl who was like in her early 20s and she was from Hawaii. And she's super um, cute and um, fun and very outgoing and always wanting to do things and just had a lot of energy. And 
during the yoga uh, program, at one point, she we would always have time for reflection with the teacher where we'd all sit in a group and reflect on things that have been kind of coming up throughout the process. And she was having a really hard time when she found herself bored. And she didn't want to be bored. She wanted to be doing things. And it was interesting to observe that I think many people have a difficult time being quote unquote bored Uh, being in that kind of still place where nothing else is going on and nothing's pulling at you to do. And you're you're forced to look inward and pay attention to what's going on in your own mind, what's going on in your own thoughts, and uh, why you're so uncomfortable being in that place of non-distraction and having... I think I'm that way. (laughs) Are you? Yeah. Yeah, people want to fill up their their time or their mind space with things to do so that they're not forced to um, pay attention to what, you know, that, that little voice in the back that's constantly going that the, it's the, uh, the subconscious mind, you know, that's trying to reach you, but there's so much going on. And so her, um, her advice was to, learn to be comfortable with being bored and find the actual beauty in being bored and what, it, what gifts are, are lying there within her boredom. Hmm. That's interesting. I was uh, talking to my son, Alex, the other day, actually we were just texting, but he has had some life changes happen recently with, with his job and, and breaking up with his girlfriend and, and moving and, and he said he had, he was spending he said i've been just working a lot i've been just working from 6am to 6pm because he doesn't have a lot going on because he doesn't have a girlfriend and and he's just trying to work and i said you know it's okay to just take time for yourself cuz i see so much of myself in him the way that i have been for most of my life just go 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 and he said but i get bored so you made mm. me think of him and And he said, so I just, you know, I said, just try to be, you know, I understand that. And it was for me, I literally had to manifest this back injury out of nowhere to get my ass on the couch for a year and a half, almost two years before I could be comfortable with being bored and comfortable with not feeling like I constantly had to be doing something. And it was extremely uncomfortable for me. You know, I felt I went through all these sorts of feelings of just worthlessness and self-doubt. And it was just unbelievable all the stuff that started coming up for me when I was forced to just sit still in it. You know, I couldn't I couldn't hide my feelings of unworthiness anymore because, you know, I was using I was using action and and creating and whether it was like cleaning or taking care of my family or working or, you know, bringing in an income or whatever it may have been to hide these feelings of unworthiness that were coming up in me. That's why that's what floats to the surface for me. That's why I yeah, why I don't like it. It's it's, you know, the ego has like has your undivided attention to say, yeah, you're you're not succeeding. Right. And once you move past that and you start to self-reflect and you can go a little bit deeper and then you start to find the root of where 
these feelings of unworthiness are coming from because we, you know, we came to this planet worthy. You know, we were born worthy. We don't have to do anything to be worthy. We just are. But, you know, because of all the things that happen in our childhood and and scars and wounds and things, we believe then that we have to do all these things to prove our worthiness. And and sometimes you just, like you said, Nicole, you have to sit in your boredom to, to be able to release that, or you have to sit in your unworthiness and you have to be able to find it, find where the root of it is to heal that, you know, instead of continually moving, moving, moving and trying to cover it up. Mm-hmm. Well, once again, this is listening to everyone. I, I point each of us and those who will be listening to nature, I think there are certain trees that teaches us the perfect example of letting go and not worrying about externals. You know, in the wintertime, we don't even pay attention to trees because the leaves are not there and the trees are not providing shade or a, a beautiful look or whatever it may be. And it's in that moment that they start to grow the most. I've never seen a tree bend over to pick the leaves back up. I've never seen a tree uh, take its, its branches and, and start to cover and protect itself because of the eyes of the onlookers judging what it's all about. The tree just lives out its, its potential. In the seasons where it looks like nothing is happening because the outside world is not appreciating the beauty and the abundance in a tree that has no leaves, that's where the most growth is taking place at. So we can learn from nature, and, and I love learning from the trees. I love learning from streams, the grass, the air, the you name it. But just once again, get out in nature when those feelings start to rise up in us. I'm not worthy. Uh, 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 I'm not uh, doing enough. I'm not living up to, and that's the question that many people must ask themselves, I'm not living up to what? Because most often if they finish that statement, it's living up to the story that someone else has set for us, a societal norm that may have been cast upon us, back to the word domestication, things that we say we're supposed to do to reflect uh, how we're supposed to be as a man or a woman. But we really want to ask that question, am I living up to my truest essence? We'll get a different answer. We'll find ourselves starting to, like the tree, release some of those externals and then our barren start to grow more and we get stronger also in those moments. That's tuning into the the cycle of nature in itself and understanding that that cycle resides in all of us and that, you know, like you said with the tree, I think that's beautiful. That's a beautiful example of um, understanding that, you know, there's only so much growth that can happen before you need to go back inward for rest, recovery, rejuvenation, and um, stimulation on the inner plane so that that can continue on the outer plane. And not being so hard on ourselves when we do need to go inward. I think some people, though, struggle with getting stuck in one or the other, either the ebb or the flow, you know, like it, it, whether they're in like that kind of taking action, taking action, or getting stuck in the part where you're in like the ebb part where you need to do reflection, you need to observe, you need to uh, 
take a look at what's going on within you first. Sometimes people get stuck there and can't get out of it to finally either take the action or go back into reflection. What are your thoughts on that, Gary? That's that's that moment where we quiet the mind and we listen to our heart. And it's easier said than done. When we make a conscious effort to do something that is normal to all of us, but we've been drawn away from that normal path to do certain routines that have became uh, habits, is that that moment you'll be able to start to truly hear the soul. We'll start to be able to see the path light up. And we start to see the solutions in the midst of all of that. So it is quieting the mind as the first priority. And that's why I encourage to go and be one with nature because being out there, we start to find appreciation all around us. And I mean, the bills can be due, the house could be about to be foreclosed on, the car could be ready to be repossessed, the spouse could be screaming and yelling at you because you're not living up to your end of the bargain financially, or there could be empty promises that haven't been delivered on that you know, like you know, like you know, it's going to happen. But in this present moment, it's not happening. So all those pressures can rise up around us. But as long as they don't rise up in us, they too will fade away. We turn around and we move ourselves out in nature and we start looking for things to appreciate. The thing we're supposed to appreciate is us. We start to seek and, and show love for who we are in this moment, no matter what the circumstances are, the family could be against us. Uh, it could be the kids. It could be whoever. It, the world, we could feel like it's coming at us. When we start to show love for us, the outside world will start to reflect that. All times we go outward to try to fix something that truly really needs to be touched on inward. So still in the mind, calming down, going being with nature. We can't do it ourselves. And then once again, go inward and start showing appreciation for who we are, appreciation for why we are here and love ourselves. And then know that when we touch and tune into our inside world, the outside world will reflect that. Gratitude is, is ama- you know, it's amazing how much gratitude can pull you, pull your head out of your ass is what I want to say, <laughs> you know, and all you're feeling like, Like you said, like everything's falling apart and the mortgage is due and the relationships are falling apart. And it's just like shifting your energy into vibration and love, whether, you know, it be just in nature or of yourself or just like thinking of all the things in your life that you have to be grateful for and all the people who do appreciate you and all the people that you appreciate. And it just, it's, it's a really quick fix for for your vibration and getting yourself back yeah. up. Gratitude is how you zero point your energy field, you know, so that you can shift, like you said, to shift the energy. It's it's the uh, energy of zero pointing so that you're not stuck in some sort of negative. Um, and when I'm saying negative, I'm just saying it relative to where you could be. Uh, 
an, a negative um, timeline, so to speak, of, of how you, what you're experiencing, what your reality is, is uh, reflecting back to you, which of course is what you touched on, Gary, is what's going on within you. And that's why it's so important to show gratitude, to show love to yourself so that it can then be reflected back to you in your outer world. Because everything is a mirror. Everything is a mirror within our own hologram of what's going on with inside of us. And I think, Lisa, too, you said you you brought it up earlier in the show about the importance of being here now and being present. And I think that's one of the things that people can do when they're stuck. If they're if they feel like they're stuck in the ebb or they're stuck in the flow of action, is that you you said, Gary, is it a is it a habitual thing? Are you are you doing it a habit or are you consciously choosing it? Are you consciously present in all of what you're doing, whether it's being still or whether it's in your actions? And I think that's a key indicator of understanding when you're actually showing up for yourself or when you're just being lazy and sitting on the couch, um, not being present in that moment. And so much of what we do are learned behaviors. I've I'm really learning a lot about that right now from observing myself and feeling like when I feel disempowered or, you know, I'm in that place of fear or I'm being triggered, I've realized that I take on the habits of my mom. Hmm. And now that I've really been paying attention and watching, I'm like, we, you know, when we're children and we're watching like, when things ha- when things happen and who has you know who has the power like it's it's your your mom or your dad typically you know or your you know your primary caregiver whoever that may be and how are they behaving what is it that they're doing and if you're if they're you know like yelling or screaming you might feel like that's where you gain your power back so when you start to feel disempowered in your life you may feel like you know that's your trigger and you start to want to take your power back through through action, through blame or yelling or screaming. And for me, watching my mother, she she used she had she was depressed. You know, she would go to bed or she would get sad or it was more like victimization. And and not that I walk around acting like I'm a victim, but it's more of a feeling that comes over me when I'm feeling in this place of disempowerment. Like it's sort of like a I just want to shut the world out. I just need to stop and like go away. And I, I don't take action in that moment. And I've learned through observation that that's what I'm doing. And I think it's really important, you know, this whole conversation that we've been having about getting still and, and observing and watching yourself and not being afraid to feel what it is that you feel. Is it boredom that you feel? Is it, anger that you feel, you know, where, where are you? And is this a habit? And where did this come from? And really self-reflecting. It's if we just keep moving, 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 we don't ever stop to find out where the problem actually stems from. I have a life. I did that for a lifetime. (laughs) feels like, you know, just distractions, just I'll just keep cleaning the house or I'll just keep going to work or, you know, I got to go to the grocery store. Or I'm just going to start doing the laundry or I'm going to clean, you know, I just, I had the most perfectly clean house there ever was just because I, I would never stop. I didn't, I didn't want to feel those feelings of unworthiness. I didn't want to go there. That's, that's why it's so imperative that we fall in love with ourselves. You, you know, amazing to see society 
how often we use the word love, but it's outward projecting versus inward. And we would probably tell someone else we love them more than we've ever told ourselves how much we love us. And if we start there first, that'll be a, a, a different a whole, what you call a paradigm shift. I could, I could never sit here and confess that I love the three of you if I did not love myself. Because it would just be idle words. If I truly love myself, then there's so much power behind me saying I love the three of you. And the other thing is not buying to, into the fact that we are these patterns. We're not our past patterns. Are we not the patterns that were displayed in front of us? But we can start to consciously choose our emotions we start to shift those patterns and it, it will immediately stop once we recognize it happening. That's a word. Recognition is like 60% of the battle. Brian and I have been talking about that, you know, cause he's been working on listening to his ego lately. Well, yeah, I was, I was just, I had my session with, with Jessica this morning and we were talking about, you know, some, some triggers that, that I identified that, that came up. And, you know, so I asked her, I said, so how do I go about, you know, you know, working on them? And she said, you do, you just did, you found them, you, you identified it. And that's, that's the biggest part, the biggest part of it. Awareness is the greatest alchemy there is. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. It's so powerful because once you are aware of something, you can't deny it anymore. (laughs) It's always going to be there in front of your face, whether you try to hide from it or not. It's always going to be peeking up (laughs) right around the corner. Yeah. You know, the beauty beauty behind it is it gives us an indicator. I was in a meeting just an hour or so ago, and the question at hand was about turbulence. That turbulence is going to show up in our business. It's going to show up in our life. How do we prepare for it? And I heard everyone go around and share their their opinions. And my opinion was bring it on. Because when the turbulence comes, when I'm aware of it, it allows me, or is the indicator that helps me turn around and go inside because like, wow, here's why I'm staring up. Back to that, my inner world creates my outer world. So I'm not going to react or get emotional about what I see on the outside. And that could be someone that's close to me bringing conflict. That could be something I may catch uh, if I'm randomly on the Internet or something and I see some news that I could perceive as negative. All those things that I see indicators that, hey, I'm off my path. I'm not in a state of appreciation. I'm not in a state of love. I'm not looking at the beauty and abundance about what the world is bringing to me right now. I'm not even participating in the unfolding consciously. And so now that gives me an opportunity to course correct. And at that moment, I had to go to the things that make me feel good. And that first starts with, Gary, I love you. I appreciate you. I'm proud of you. And then from there, I get to turn around and start thanking the outside world for all the gifts that are around me. The air we breathe, just take a moment to stand still, just breathe it in, hold it in, hug it, and then release it. And know that Mm -hmm. 
air has the same air has been circulating through not only us but generations prior. And now I'm embracing history right now. And I'm looking at the water, I'm touching the water, and it's just like, wow, we're one. And so I'm doing things like that to get my mind off of whatever the circumstance that has revealed itself to me so that I don't see that any longer. Now I'm back in with my true self, and now I come back and face the same situation, the same circumstance, or the same person, it's different. Mm. I think it's important to um, to clarify to the audience because uh, a lot of people kind of misperceive what you've just said and will believe that it's all about kind of sticking your head in the sand and um, avoiding anything negative in your reality and pretending it doesn't exist. And that's not what you're saying. But I know that sometimes people hear that. And so I just want to clarify that what you're doing, it's not about, you know, if you see something awful, whether it's on the news or whether it's in your current reality right in front of your face, it's not about, um, you know, disregarding it, putting your head in the sand, but it's about not allowing that energy to influence your energy so that it takes you down, but stay in your power so that you might be able to even influence that um, situation in a much more positive way. Well, our outside world is a reflection of our inside world. So if something negative was brought to you, it's an opportunity as well, like Gary said, to go within and and shift your energy because that's everything's frequency and mm-hmm. vibration. And you said before, Gary, which I thought was really cool, and, and I, th- I think a lot of people don't even realize this, is that your feelings are a choice. They're not um, something that just happens to you. Now, it can happen to you, or it seems like it happens to you when it's unconscious, when you're unconscious and you're not aware that you're allowing other people to influence your own feelings. But knowing that you actually have the power to choose your feelings at any given time uh, is very empowering and can completely, like you said, course correct, change the course and help you interact with your reality from a completely different place. And and you also said, you also spoke of how it's, it's a learn, feelings can be learned as well. Like what I was saying about my mom or, you know, some people have, mm-hmm. are around parents that use anger a lot or, you know, they, they believe that if you don't get upset that you don't care. So, you know, right. something happens and, and you're not upset, say somebody dies or somebody's injured or someone loses a job or, you know, something like that happens and you're not upset you may feel like that's just normal. Like I'm supposed to be upset because that means I care. But when you really sit and self-reflect, you can learn that actually that's a learned behavior. That's something that I was taught. I was taught to, to react that way. I was taught to feel that way. And I have a choice here. I don't have to feel that way. Mm. It's why I refused. Well, it's why I don't like going to funerals. <laughs> because it's such an overwhelming um, uh, grieving, grieving place, which, believe me, the grief has a very, has its own place here in our reality. And it's very important for us to heal. Um, but there seems to be only a um, an importance placed on grievance as opposed to celebration of life. And you know, whether what we choose, how we choose to honor 
a life, whether it's through grieving or through celebration. And it's a personal choice. It's your choice. You get to choose. But for me, it's like, I much prefer to celebrate. Um, because when you, when you realize that nothing really is dying, that we're all coming back around again, and that person's just energetically now available to you, not just not in the physical form, but energetically, it really starts to change your perception of life here and how you interact with it. Yeah, I always thought that you should wear really bright colors to a funeral and celebrate. You should celebrate the life. Doesn't doesn't what you just said, though, Nicole, can't you go to a... You just said it's your mindset, so can't you go to a funeral and be celebratory? I, I could. I could. I just don't like the energy um, that's around the... Uh, the funeral, all the other people. It's 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 just it's a very well. When you're empathic, okay, you feel a lot more than just what you know you see around you. Like you really feel it, and mm. you know you can you can put up your boundaries and you can you know not take it on, but it's difficult. And I personally would rather have my own celebration of how I'm I choose to say goodbye to that person or honor that. And I've done that where, you know, I think I've been fortunate with throughout my life where I'm, I'm traveling a lot and happens to be that when I'm traveling, people are passing away and I can't be there for the funeral. And so I've actually had like, this happened when I was in my yoga teacher's training, my Nana passed away and um, everyone told me to stay to not leave my teacher's training program. And so I went down to the beach and my the Hawaiian girl who was bored, um, she made the most beautiful Hawaiian lei, flower lei, cause, because their tradition was to throw it into the water when someone passed away. And so I took some girlfriends that I had come close with over a couple of weeks and we went down and I read a, I read something out loud to say, like to honor my Nana and say goodbye. And I did it at sunset because I thought that was appropriate. And I threw the layout as far as I could. And then we all started jumping around in the water and laughing and kind of dancing. And that's just how I wanted to say goodbye. And I just don't feel like I could honor that um, in a funeral setting because I know people would be offended or take that personally. And, and to be honest, it doesn't, it's just, it's not the environment that I would want to say goodbye. Got you. You know, it's interesting what she's sharing because that's that external, those external pressures to behave and act a certain way when, once again, no one's in our shoes, no one's ever been on our path, we've only been on our path, and there is no set way. And many people frown at me and my family because it's a handful of times I show up for a funeral. And I'm really there to support someone that I know that is going to be challenged. Like the last funeral funeral I went to, I was there for my mom, not my grandfather, who was transitioning. He's in a good space. I know she wasn't going to be in a good space, so I came for her. Uh, prior to that, my cousin was murdered in St. Louis. I wasn't there to pay tribute to him. I, we were having our conversations. And... I was there to support my auntie, to help her, uh, but many people would not embrace the celebration because we're taught and conditioned to act a certain way and not showing up. Uh, 
it's tough, but when we, and that I love me, I know me, and I'm good with me, state, then not only not going up to a funerals, but you can pick any other, anything else uh, in life where we expect it to do. If it's not flowing with our rhythm and flow, then it's okay for us to check out. You know, and I, and I wanted to say something about that too. It's what I've learned recently about being an empath is that how it really is a superpower. So, you know, we do take on, you know, other people's energy, but once you sort of settle into that, you're an empath and understanding what's going on for say like a funeral situation, just like what Gary was saying, you're able to bring as an empath, you're able to bring so much to other people, like to have that feeling of joy and that celebration of life and to hold that feeling in your heart and to hold that feeling in your energy field and just push it out to the room, you know, and, and be that beacon of light that you are without having to, you know, be real flamboyant about it. You don't have to wear, you know, a, bright colored dress and, and run around giggling and, and giddy like you're at a wedding or anything, but just from your energy fields, you're able to support people so much. And because we do feel so much as an empath, it truly is a, a, a superpower that we have to be able to extend that to an entire room without anybody even knowing what's going on. You know, you show up at a funeral, Nicole, and you're just this bright shining light because that's who you are you know, and, and just setting that intention that I'm just going to this joy that I feel, this joy of, of the celebration of, of life, I'm going to push out to everybody in this room. And you don't even have to say a word to do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think too, you're, you're absolutely right. For me, when it happened, I wasn't aware of the whole empathy thing, you know, and I didn't realize the power of it. I didn't realize how to control it or how to utilize it properly, how to place up boundaries properly. You know, these, this would all happen throughout my twenties and early, early thirties. And so it was, it was, you know, my way of protecting myself and also honoring what I knew I could. And so, but you're absolutely right. But when people are unaware of what's actually going on with them or how empathic they even are, they may notice that they're just wanting to avoid certain situations and they don't know exactly why, but they just know it doesn't feel good. And um, they don't know how to, um, how to, to a, a put up the ba- proper boundaries to protect your own energy field, but also then how to use your energy field to shift an entire um, f- like frequency or field around you of people. Absolutely. And I'm just like you, I didn't, you know, this is something I've, had my whole life and I didn't have any idea or realize how to tap into those powers. And now that I do and helping other people that I know who are empathic and just telling them that, you know, simply just like that, like you have the ability to hold this feeling of complete love in your heart and push it out to an entire room or, you know, you walk into a restaurant and you feel sort of bombarded by everyone's energy. Maybe it's low, you know, at that moment, you just have to shift your own energy and say, okay, I'm going to be the light for this room. Then, you know, instead of taking on all this negative energy, I'm just going to be the one that provides light for this room. And it's such an empowering 
feeling. You go from feeling like this disempowered empath that has to hide in their house and only have relationship with their animals to someone who can go out into the world and instead share this beautiful light that they have. Absolutely. Absolutely. Gary. Yes, ma'am. Have you had any wild experiences that you don't tell many people about? <laughs> yeah, a whole lot. Wanna wanna share any of those with the uh, wow. with the three of us, the enlightened up audience? Ah, wow, experience that you know. I often say that we can't draw this stuff up as much as we try to put pen to paper and design uh, the perfect plan to get us to X, Y, Z. You can never draw it up. And I think my, oh man, one of my greatest wild experiences, there's a couple of them. Uh, One was reflecting back on my grandmother. And she raised me right there in um, St. Louis. And I love my mother and my father to this day for allowing my grandmother to raise me because she taught me love. And I had a question come to me earlier today. If I do life over, what would change? And I said, I wouldn't change anything. So I grew up in poverty. I grew up uh, stuck in a one-room little spot with my grandmother. And we would play all those scenarios all over again because it's, it's evolved me into who I am today. Uh, one story in particular with her was, uh, I could have been probably in the third, no, I was probably in the fourth grade, fourth or fifth grade. And we went to, we got a ride to the grocery store. We didn't have a car. And we got a ride, I caught a ride with my cousin to the grocery store. It was around the first of the month. That's when mama got paid, and that's when her food stamps came. And it wasn't the card that people have today. It was the stuff that looked like Monopoly money. And us growing up in that space, there's a lot of pressures, external pressures. Being tough was one, and uh, just you know, not looking like you were poor, even though we all were poor, was another. And showing up to a grocery store and pulling out all these booklets of Monopoly money, the food stamps. It was embarrassing, and we were not acting apart, my cousin and I. We were managed. We were bad little rats, and, and we finished giving the lady the food stamps and uh, the Eagle stamps as well. Many people don't even know what Eagle stamps are. Anyway, we get my grandmother's basket, and we're pushing it out to the car. Well, the car is gone. My cousin left. She had paid him before he finished the job. And the job was to take us there and bring us home. And this store, it probably take a, a natural, uh, athletic person maybe 30 minutes to walk to. My grandmother could barely walk. She leaned on the grocery cart the whole entire uh, journey through the grocery store because of her ankles and her, 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 um, her knees. We get out there and the car is gone. We looking, she's looking. And this is one of the best moments of my life. She sat back and took full responsibility. 
direct words were, I knew I shouldn't have paid him. I knew I shouldn't have given him that money until we got home. All right, we need to uh, get these groceries home. And here's a lady could barely walk through the grocery store. And now we no longer have the push cart that you have in the store. We got a little basket that we push it, and then my cousin's carrying some groceries, I'm carrying the groceries and trying to push the cart as well. It would took him, he and I, about 30 minutes to get home. We're probably, I don't know, 10, 12 feet into the walk, and mama's like, baby, mama got to uh, take a break right now. My leg, I'm tired and mother hurting. We did that over and over and over again. She never complained about him leaving. She never even put energy back on him. She'd already accepted the situation for what it was. And now it was about persevering. It was about getting home and getting these groceries. Because I know if I don't get these groceries home, we can't eat. And it was at one point on the journey she shared with us, baby, I, I need y'all to get the eggs and the milk home and the butter because it's going to rot. And we're like, mom, what about you? I'm going to be all right. And so we raced those groceries home as fast as we could. And I ran back and I continued that walk with my grandmother, stopping every chance we could get. The only thing she would do was breathe. And she would pray in her breath and keep going. She just wanted to make it home. That was one of the greatest lessons I ever learned. It took us a couple of hours to get home, by the way. But she never never brought up my cousin believing us again. After that moment of adversity, she took responsibility and then she just kept taking one step in front of the next and kept moving and advancing, not criticizing, not condemning, not complaining about the circumstance or the situation, just wanted to get to her destination. She's thinking about us more than anything else. And I've used that as a way of life. So I, sh I, I do I often share that story? It's not often, uh, but I do share that story. But wow, that is one that if the listeners could uh, embrace, that's life. And my grandmother was that person who had, she would love unconditionally. And the crazy part is just use the word love and unconditional. It don't even make sense. They don't even go together. But I know in our society, we use those as I love unconditionally. She loved. And the same person did us wrong, showed up a few days later, and she never even brought it back up to him. Never brought, just embraced him. And I learned that. And my mom, my grandmother wasn't a pushover. Here's a dad. When we were in fights, <laughs> she would run out with two guns in her hand. So she the last <laughs> thing from someone that was a pushover. <laughs> she would quit a whole block. But she also was a person that accepted, here's what I did, not someone else did to me. He taught us responsibility. That is, that is, this is so synchronistic because I was just having a conversation with someone last night about how people just don't seem to take responsibility for their poor life choices um, in these days. And your, you know, your grandma is just such a um, example of uh, strength and um, the, the idea of 
empowerment that comes from knowing that you made a bad decision, but you're going to persevere and you're going to recorrect and you're going to you're going to deal with the cards that you've been dealt or the hand that you chose to play and you're going to make it work regardless. And and not not looking at this poor me kind of thing which you know I think anyone looking at the situation that you just described would just feel absolutely horrible for your grandma because no one wants to see an older woman who's um you know not able to uh, walk properly uh without any sort of help to have to do that journey. No one would ever want to, to allow someone to do that, but her own fortitude and her own uh, determination to not, uh, not, not like shackle off her responsibilities of choice and to, to really own her own choices and then walk the walk, whatever path that opened up for her. I think that's really important. And we don't see that a lot today. I think we see the opposite. We're seeing a lot of people playing victim of the way life is happening to them, that it's just happening to them. It's not happening because of choices that they've made. And then look, taking the time to look within to see how that is reflecting, you know, back outwards and what they need to do to make certain changes in how they choose. And I think it's a really great story to to remind us all of how important it is that we, you know, make good choices. But if we don't make a good choice to know that we have to own it and we have to live with the consequence, because I think the consequence is what provides a teacher or um, a reminder of why we don't want to make that choice again. And when we shuckle off that um, that consequence, as in it just happened to me, it wasn't a reflection of my choice, then we start to find ourselves in this victim status and we're not empowered anymore. And your grandma made a very empowered decision or chose a very empowered way to um, to deal with the situation at hand. I think if if anybody really is looking for change in their life and and wanting to become more of a deliberate creator of their life. Step number one is, is you have to be willing to take responsibility for your life and, and the choices and not blame, you know, and not push that onto somebody else. Like this is happening to me because, you know, he left me stranded here and your grandmother did just that. Because if you, if you go the other route, you just bring that, you'll just create more of that in your life. Mm-hmm. You know, if you, if you wallow in say the abandonment or, you know, then you're going to only create more abandonment, more situations of abandonment in your life until you get the message that you're responsible and that it's, that you're actually creating these things in your life for a reason to show you something you know, about yourself. I'm hearing you guys and so wow. Something else just hit me just thinking about the story that never hit me before. If she would have sat back and put any energy more than the few seconds that she did of taking responsibility on my cousin, we would have been stuck. We've been sitting there begging, would have been stuck right there, the food would have spoiled and Exactly. The zero lessons would have been learned. 
All right, but the bottom line is we would have been stuck in just thinking about that because we don't take responsibility. So many of us in other situations of our lives that's not allowing us to advance. We all advance from that moment. The journey just symbolizes how we continued on throughout our life, no matter what circumstance, situation showed up, to need to persevere and advance beyond it. It was a lesson of appreciation that uh, my cousin and I learned in that moment. And also the, the courage that it takes to own it and move forward. If more of us will own our circumstances and our situations, but not and not not penalize ourselves for it too, because that's something else that takes place. We judge ourselves, we become so critical of ourselves before what the outside world will perceive as a mistake. There are no mistakes. It's just the unfolding of our path. However it unfolds, it's just part of it. But we accept, we appreciate it, and we just continue to advance forward. We can look back and see how that served us. I don't like to look back anymore. I like to see in the moment, this is serving me. Even though I may not comprehend how it's serving me today, I know it's serving me. And because it's serving me, I'm going to accept it. Mm. And I and I love that, you know, she wasn't a pushover and she had no qualms about bringing out the guns when <laughs> things went wrong. Oh, she, she, she was the strength. They called her Big Emma. She was short, but she was Big Emma. She would beat down men and women. It didn't matter. <laughs> that's awesome i love that well you grew up in a a rough area of town from what the stories i've heard you tell me yeah it was it was a lot of poverty and you know fortunately yeah and there, here's a story i share that i don't share often but another one of those stories that this is how you know life's things come full circle to serve us. My father left me in that environment and he went off to the Air Force. Uh, my mom, she was out trying to make ends meet. Both of my grandmothers came to the rescue. Uh, one was raising me, uh, my father's mom, which is my mom, and she was my protector. And my sister, who was like, I think she's like 18 months younger than me, was raised by my other grandmother, but they raised both of us. And the heat that my parents took, matter of fact, it put me to a position that I was constantly defending them and trying to fight everyone. You could not speak negative about my parents, even though they were not there physically. Uh, my mom was there, obviously, because she was still in school. My dad was gone. And I shared with my father a couple of years ago at my uncle's funeral that because of you leaving the way you did, a few things happened. I learned how to love, thanks to mom, my our grandmother, his mom. And also because you went away to try to find a better pastor uh, to support your family. Many people look at you as you abandoned your family. You didn't abandon anything. We had prayers when we landed on the floor, my cousin and I, praying about having a better life, praying about having better circumstances. The, the things that we wanted most, we thought that we would own those things. Like uh, we were living, like I say, on the, we sleeping on, 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 we laying on the floor, on the mattress, on the floor, what have you. I remember a rat racing across my head one day, and we're praying for, you know, a better home. We're thinking, well, we're going to own real estate when we get older. We didn't have cars. We were hating for the buses. So we 
talk about owning car lots. And so everything we didn't have, it allowed us to start to dream again. And, we, and one thing about my grandma, she never killed that fire of us dreaming. Never, ever. She supported that, even though it was something that she never lived out. But I had to share with my dad that because you left, my dreams came true. Because I went to visit him in San Antonio, Texas, right before I was going into high school. And all of a sudden, I stayed there. Now I went from living in these apartments that stacked on top of other folks into being in a home. Now, we originally grew up in a home in a terrible hood, but it wasn't the same. This here was, okay, this is the stuff that we see on the magazines. And and he wasn't wealthy by any stretch of the imagination. From where I was at to what he was living in, it gave me a new perspective on life. And then it also allowed me to be the first person to go off to college in my family and and and, and go down a path that no one had, had ever did before. I was in sports. I mean, all type of things that would start to come to life for me. And I shared with him that never would have happened the way it did if you didn't leave. And that's one of the stories I share that we'll have to go and reflect 20 years or 30 years later about a decision that was made back then that had benefited us. When the world continued to put in leap coals of judgment and coals of disapproval on them, here I am leaping coals of praise and love for them. And then being able to turn around and articulate it years later on how this that was the best decision and we had to do it all over again. I would choose the same route, not be in the same household as both of my parents, but to be right there, my grandmother in poverty and struggle and hell led to one ultimate outcomes. And this outcome is going to change the world, in my opinion, talking about me and the people that are drawn to me and us mirror matching one another to go out here and pack without excuses because we embrace our journey no matter how dark or gleam it looks. So that's about my dad, and it freed him. It freed him. But many people would not choose to look at it from that perspective. Yeah, my sisters do it to this day. They still do it to this day. It's like they raising my dad and my, my mom owe them something. They don't owe anything. They brought us here. That's the only thing they needed to do. You're right. I uh, a lot of people would kind of take the the victim um jer- like the victim path. Yeah, I think taking responsibility and getting out of that blame frame of mind is really the the first step in in finding your own power. And perception. Perception is so important for how you view any circumstance how you view anything going on within you that, you know, the perception of anything can is what creates your reality. And so when you shifted into um, a perception, Gary, where it was what catapulted you into you, your success drive, you know, of, of wanting to dream big and follow those dreams and attain those dreams and bring them into reality using them as almost like a food source for your hunger for success. That is a result of you choosing to perceive your situation and how your um, life unfolded from a place of um, a place of empowerment versus a place of victim. Hearing you saying that, I think about so many of my good friends and family members that, 
uh, they reside right now in the cemeteries or they have spent countless years of their lives in the prison systems energetically that we're not looking at life the same way and we were all in the same circumstances but to want mm-hmm. out in a hold if we go back to mm-hmm. what we talked about earlier from a vision that that we we have how to maintain and get through it holding on to that faith when the circumstances around us is telling us that's not happening it it doesn't even take courage it takes the willingness to just let go of what I see and see it, what I physically see and see it differently from my heart. Mm. There's no one that could tell me otherwise that we were not going to get out of there. No one could tell me otherwise that we were not going to have a better life than we're having right now. Even though our circumstances and our conditions was dictating something else, nothing to tell me otherwise and what was beautiful is people start to show up look when we were little we had on the end of our street was a motel and for our listeners who never heard the word motel the motel is where the pimps the hookers and the, the johns go and do their thing we would find, we didn't know what condoms were, but we'd find those on the street. Whereas we're playing, we'll find drug needles, we'll find all these things just down the, the, just a few houses down at the end of the block from where we grew up at. In the midst of that jungle that we were in, we have great intentions about a better tomorrow, people will show up. And there were these uh, two nuns that showed up into our, our location. And my grandmother was like, you all are going with them every Sunday. And they would come get us, and they would take us up blocks away to one of the Catholic churches. And it was there we started to learn something different than what our environment was teaching us. And then when we left that space and we moved to the west side of St. Louis, uh, it's all black neighborhood, but some brave German guy named Gordon moved in <laughs> and he posted up at the very top of the hill. But out of all the dirty black kids that were there, out of all the trouble and the poverty, he found my cousin and I. And he would take us every Sunday way away from our part of the town to another part of town. And that was in a, a, a what was it, a Christian environment. So we started learning something different, a different level of awareness. The point I'm making, and then the story I just shared about my dad, those are three different stages of my life, and I can pinpoint numerous more stages, including meeting Lisa Watson <clears throat> on our journey. Right? I, I, how those things came, I don't know, but what I do know, I had a feeling for something greater than what my present environment was showing me, and I, my grandmother and those that showed up continue with that encouragement that yes, there is better. Yes, you are special. And so I guess the encouragement here to the listeners or have you, no matter whether you go, whatever you're going through in life, as long as we stay tuned in to a vision that we have that's from within, mm-hmm. the right people, the right circumstances will show present to allow it help usher us to that particular destination. We just have to believe it. 
you have to believe that um, there's more out there than what, like you said, your current present situation or circumstances are showing you uh, and that you deserve it. That's perfect right there. And then you open up all the doors of possibilities or you, you open yourself up to receiving. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much, Gary, for being on the show and sharing your stories with us. They're definitely inspiring at the very least. Uh, it's really, I think, important for all of us to be reminded of um, stories like the one with your grandmother going to the grocery store and having to walk home and understanding that we all have personal choice in every situation and how we choose to react or act in that situation is completely on us. And I think given your grandmother's situation, I think there aren't too many of us who can, you know, uh, balk at that at all. So uh, thank you so much, Gary, for sharing all of your wisdom and your insight, your experiences and your stories they are very helpful. And I think many people who are listening to this episode are going to gain a lot out of uh, the show. I appreciate you all for having me. And this is so cool. I just, <laughs> oh my goodness, my soul feels so great right now. So good to success to you all for, I love the whole enlightenment. Matter of fact, well, I won't even go to another story because then I'll take us another hour out. But just the, the story, the, the, the description of you guys' podcast, the name of it. That's what the world needs. And so my uh, great energy and support is flowing to you all to continue onward and upward towards the light and your journey of changing the world. So you are starting a business, from what I understand, called Get Off the Couch. Is that right? It's, it's, it's been going. It's been going since 2010. But we're bringing it. We're bringing it to life soon. I just say it like that. We've been we've been building it. We've been. I use underground, and the essence behind that is to. When you take a seed, and you put it in the ground. That's where the greatest growth takes place. That's where it, that's the the point of release. And so this whole mission is to get people to think like that. I will move into darkness before I break through to light. And I truly feel that moving into darkness is that internal journey to discover what our purpose is. And then the external expression of that, what the world sees in the light or the different passions that we have. Our goal is to create passion projects and those passion projects will uh, symbolize entrepreneur endeavors to help more people become entrepreneurs and bring those seeds of gifting to the world through those passion projects. So we're still walking in the underground element of get off the couch, but yeah, we've been alive and uh, kicking since 2010. Awesome. Hey Gary, what Grade school did you go to? I was at um, I was at Hempstead. At first, I was at Marquette, then Hempstead, then Cook. 
Where were you, where were you? Which school were you for uh, fourth, fifth grade? Fourth and fifth, fourth and fifth grade, I was at Hempstead. Hempstead, right okay. over in on uh, the west side. My dad, my dad taught uh, inner city, really, St. Louis. Yeah, it was his. His mom was a was a elementary school teacher. She she taught um inner city as well and that was his that was his passion as well so he you know we grew up way out in the country and he drove an hour every day to go uh, into a to go into the you know to a neighborhood where where you were from and seriously um, you know teach Man. teach yeah he was a fourth and fifth grade teacher yeah but not 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 Hempstead. I'm trying to remember. Oh, it'll come to you. We send an energy for it to come to you right now. Wow, that's what I'm talking about. This when I got involved with legal show. And that was 2006. It started to hear these different names of authors and this whole personal development world. Like, okay, this is a strange world, but wow, why hasn't this came to our inner cities? Part of the underground mission was to get a lot of this content into that environment because it, they would say, I don't know if it was Malcolm X or who it was, but say if you wanted to keep a secret from a black person, you put it in a book. <laughs> I, 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 I went into accounting so I didn't have to read anymore. And I was super successful as an accountant. at the number one team in AT&T um, Broadband in those early stages until I realized, man, if your name ain't on that marquee, you're disposable. You're unemployed every single day coming to that facility. And so after uh, eight mergers and acquisitions we went through, I, I'm part of this eighth one. I'm out. In those environments, no one ever talked about purpose or passion or what we really want in life. And it was uh, so much credit to the legal show world for bringing to life something that was inside of me that I knew but yet I was conditioned to do something outside of what was natural to me. To walk away from that type of money and take the challenge and the gambles I have on life, not many people would ever, 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 ever do that. Uh, but it was to the spirit of what your dad did is to bring something to the environment. Even you have to travel miles and miles and miles away from your norms to deliver something yeah. From a state of passion. Um, man, that yeah. Wow. That is so dang cool, bro. So so you don't you don't remember a big white guy teaching your one of your schools? They could I had hey man, there was a whole bunch of white guys that were teaching in our school. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mr. Koenig. Mr. Koenig. What I remember Miss uh, Linda. She was the one that worked us. My penmanship today when many people look and say, "Oh, I love your writing." It was her, because she made us write over and over again, write, 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 write. I learned how to write cursive when I was uh, in kindergarten. That's how adamant they were in our community was that we had to work ten times as hard as any other race out there just to make it. And so some good limited beliefs that they were impressing upon us, but I will say limited beliefs because a lot of mm -hmm. times with domestication, we're buying into the limits that someone else say is possible or a dogmatic path that they want to push us down. 
uh, much respect, much love to everyone because their intentions are good. But boy, we're not subjected to any limitations in the ones we create for ourselves and still appreciate all mm-hmm. the folks that have uh, played a role in my journey. And we are all just beginning. Hope y'all are done recording. Y'all still recording? Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> We're we're done now. We're, we're done. done. Now. We're done. And where can people um, find you or reach out to you if they want to get in contact with you? If they want to get in contact with me, they can reach me at Gary G A R Y at getoffthecouchnow.com. Gary at getoffthecouchnow.com. Excellent. Excellent. Well, we'll leave all that information in the show notes for the audience. So it's easy for you to find Gary. And Gary, thanks so much again for being on the show. It was a pleasure to have you here. And to our audience, thanks again for joining us this week. We'll be back with you next time. Bye, everyone. Thank you all for joining our show. We appreciate you tuning in and supporting us. If any of you have any questions you would like answered on the show or any guests that you would like to hear on our show, please email that information to us at info at enlightenup.us or send us a voice message using the Anchor app. There's a super cool feature on there that allows you to send us a message or ask us a question with a touch of a button right from the app. And please continue to support us by following us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And if you haven't checked out Nicole's channel on YouTube yet, head on over there for some more insight from her, or you can visit her website, inflexibleme.com, where you can book a personal coaching session or a tarot reading, watch some of her most informative videos, or you can sign up for her newsletter. And if you're interested in some light language healing, head to my YouTube channel, Lisa Loves Love, or send me an email to lisa at lisaloveslove.com to inquire about your own personal reading. Thank you again for joining us and supporting us, and we'll be back with you all next week.